Welcome to the second series of The Man Who Was Scared to Death. In this audio documentary, I talk to people who work and spend time in the presence of death on a daily basis in order to help me come to terms with my eventual demise. In this special episode, I speak to John Fogarty, a man proud of his long life and not ready for ending the journey anytime soon. It is a viewpoint I look at in awe. Interesting to talk about um, life and death, that kind of mm. area, you know, see what you think. You're hung up on data, yeah. aren't you? Well, exactly. Well, why don't you, you just start by telling me who you are, um, where you are? I'm John Fogarty in the south of Ireland, um, in Limerick, rural area of Limerick, on the Cork side of the Cork border. And uh, I've lived here in this area since 1971. Prior to that, I was in London from 1953 up to 71. And uh, I was born roughly a mile and a half from where I am now. And uh, I, I grew up there and went to school in, in Limerick and secondary school in Rockwell College in County Tipperary to the Holy Ghost Fathers. And um, then I went to London at the age of 19, I think, around about there. And I started off at a very low level in, in London, digging holes for uh, companies in, in very bad weather. The year the sea wall broke in in Tilbury and killed 80 people. And I happened to just get a job there the previous week. And that was my first introduction to work in the UK, which was frightening to see the people coming out dead out of, out of, out of Tilbury. Uh, the, uh, yeah, it was right now. I, I, I was shocked at that. But I grew up to work at the time I'd finished. I got, I got married in 59 and um, married a Wicklow woman, a nurse, marvellous wife. I couldn't have found better. And uh, we had five children in, in London. And so the eldest one was 11 years when we decided that... Uh, the drug scene was getting nasty in London at the time, especially in East London. And when William, at, uh, as, as uh, an 11-year-old, was starting to bring noises about drugs home from school, I decided that we'd leave there and come back to Ireland. And uh, there was motions at the time that shortly after that we'd be joining the EU and there was a promise of a better life in Ireland then at that stage. And... Uh, uh, well, we did make a move then in 1971. We sold our house that we had bought in Stratford in East London, and uh, we'd lived in it for 10 years and were totally happy there. It was, uh, my wife didn't want to leave and uh, because she was Wicklow and we were coming to Limerick. Even though I wasn't foreseeable what part of Ireland we came to, I just wanted to get rid of the drug scene and away from cities that I thought the family would have a better chance of being uh, have a sense of the use of reason and and uh, have a better sense of what life was about and drugs when they grew up and uh, the, the drug scene in Ireland would be slower than it was in London anyway which was the capital of Europe so we came here and uh, at, uh, sold the house and, and bought an old cottage here and um, did do it up and we figured that uh, the land it was on was very wet land, and uh, 
for gardening, there was a nice, a nice acre of ground with it, but all of a sudden it started, it was, it was, uh, uh, the water table was too high, and vegetables and all were, were getting rotten there, and it wasn't a, n- not ideal. So I had planned that I wouldn't stay there, I'd buy a site and build my own house. So over a period of four years, I bought uh, an acre of ground on, on beautiful land in, near the village of Hospital in South Limerick, and... Uh, I built a, a four-bedroom house with a garage and a nice piece of land with it, and beautiful land, which fertile land. We had vegetables, and I reared cattle there, and it was. We had a lovely thirty years in that house, and uh, then the I built a house. Then I was due to retire, and I built a house in a bit further south than that, and. Uh, Thanks, Catherine. And um, yeah, we, m- my wife didn't want to move here. All the children had left at that stage. Mm, five of them gone back to London, and uh, two two were working here. And uh, then the crunch came in 19, 19, oh, 2008. Uh, the banks collapsed. The, the, the whole uh, financial structure of the country was, and not just the country, Europe was affected by this. So, um, yeah, I did convince my wife to move into this new house we had built to sell it for our retirement. And uh, um, she came, we said we'd come here for Christmas and we'd, we'd go back to our place again and sell the house. Well, we came here for Christmas on the 17th of December and never moved out of it. She never asked to leave anymore and I didn't suggest it either. We were, so we stayed on, on that basis until... Uh, as we were here on our own, the, the children were coming and going from London. Not children anymore, all adults. And uh, yeah, we had a great relationship with our family always. And uh, we 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 became happy here. It was a it was a single story house, and uh, there was no going up and down stairs. And life was easier. And we were both retired then at that stage. And had a, well, I'm still here up to now. In in uh, two thousand and twenty two, and, um, and uh, apart from the fact that I'm all alone, my wife died four years ago. So uh, apart from the fact that the family come and go, which they're marvelous to me, and they seem to think that we were good to them, mm-hmm. that's their opinion, and that's good. And we're delighted. We were delighted about that, and we were very happy. And when my wife was alive, we used to come and go to London on a regular basis, and uh, we're, we were retired then, and we toured a lot of the UK and Ireland, north and south, and we toured from right from the top of Scotland down to Land's End, and uh, we, had a, we always said there was family in London, we could stop off with them and stay, which was marvellous, and yeah, it was back to, it was like a second home to us, and we loved going to London, so... That was about it, and I'm here now living in this house on my own, and uh, with uh, uh, regular visits from, from the family, which we love to see come, and I love to see come, and especially as I'm on my own. It was more comfortable when my wife was alive, and we, we used to sit and talk, and she'd read, and I'd watch the television, and that was our life. We had a very comfortable life, and uh, we were happy. It sounds like a, well, it's a long and varied existence, you know, 
how is your i mean would you broadly describe it as a as a happy existence oh absolutely phil absolutely yes uh the only part that's unhappy is the fact that i'm living alone and i don't like living alone i'm somebody that enjoys people's company uh especially that it's somebody that have something to offer um i like to talk to people i go to the pub once once a week and uh I always enjoy that if there's somebody there that will give uh, an interesting uh, discussion for an hour or two. It's not the drink I go for, even though I enjoy a couple of pints of Guinness, but uh, that's about it. I don't go for drink. I go for to chat to people and, and enjoy that uh, couple of hours of a Saturday evening. And uh, that's mainly. I still drive my car. And yes, if I want to go anywhere, I have, I'm free to go, come and go as I like. And... Uh, Thanks be to God, I have great health. You know, I know you're 88 now. You know, it's been a, a long life. Of, it sounds like a happy and prosperous life. Has your view of life itself changed? I always had a very optimistic outlook on life. I'm Basically, I'm an optimist. I've always been, and I've never changed my views on that. Um, I, I didn't ever want to, be, to end up in, impoverished at the pension age. And thank God I didn't. So I have what I want. Um, as that woman in the pub last night, uh, Phil, she said, did you build a mansion when you when you think? I wouldn't want a mansion. Some place that was comfortable and I, I have everything I needed in that house. An like ensuite and a bedroom and uh, these things and a comfortable living room. And um, We're slightly disadvantaged at the present time with, with the... The cost of living, and uh, but we're only slightly disadvantaged. There are people that are well, way worse off than we are. We're not stuck for 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 anything, and uh, we have we just have uh, more careful than we used to be. You don't leave the heat on twenty four hours a day, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about to go over. I'm uh, as I say, I'm an optimist, and I'm still optimistic. I, I have no desire to pass on from this life. But the day it comes, I'm quite happy to take that. I'm comfortable with my age and I'm comfortable with my standard of living. Uh, yeah. So talking of obviously the other side, what's your general view then of, of this life and then the potential for another life after or, or you know, the religious side of it or, or whatever? You know, what do you, what's your fundamental thoughts about what happens to us after we pass? Well, I, I, I was born into a Catholic society and... Uh, that's probably the reason. If I was born into any other religion, I probably would have, uh, the same thing would have applied. And I accepted the fact that there was something there. I don't know what it is. And uh, we will find out, I'll find out very shortly. And uh, I put up with whatever is there. If there is something there, I hope to be part of it. And if there isn't, well, I'd be part of that. So. When you say something that are we talking about, obviously not. After. Yeah. A life hereafter, yeah. I'm not sure, Phil, uh, about whether there is or not. I, as I say, I'm an optimist. If it's there, I hope to uh, share in it because I don't think I've done any harm to anybody. So I would look forward to sharing if there is something to be shared. And if there isn't, well, I'll share what everybody else are doing. And that's about my view on, on life hereafter. Has, um, do you think that view's changed over the years as, you, as, you, as you've got older or is it something you've always always felt? I suppose everybody's view has changed. Your body changes and your views change as well. And uh, 
life didn't always stay the same. Things from the time I was born in 1934, the, this part of Ireland was, was really poor. And we had it, we all, I think the majority of people at that time had an ambition to go to either America or the UK. I think we'd probably have stayed there because I was at the top of my tree of work at that stage and getting well rewarded for it. I was quite happy there and uh, yeah, my father had died and when I came home here then my mother was still alive. My father lived here too. He was just on 90 when he died or just under 90. My mother lived then on her own for years because she was years younger than him and uh, she lived till she was 85. and. Uh, so, yeah, we took her to London on holidays and things because she was great to nine of us. She had a nine in family. She was great to us as we were growing up uh, to be admired for the, the amount of effort she put into rearing us on very, very little money. And we were never hungry and never shot decent clothes to go to school with. And I think my family can say roughly the same. They had a terrific mother and they say I was okay. So... <laughs> That's about it. So when you, if you think back to those young, younger days in London, when you sounded like you were having a lot of fun, you know, was your own, oh, your own uh, vision of death, did you ever think about it or is it just not something that crosses your mind? Well, especially in those younger days. When you're young, you don't really think you're going to die. The other, the other guy dies. Yeah. And the other people get old. You don't get old. Yeah. I still figure, if, without having a mirror, that I, I look like I was 21. But on, yeah, but I can on, confirm you almost do. Unfortunately, <laughs> there's mirrors everywhere I go to remind me of my age. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. So, you, you know, you very much, like, took hold and enjoyed life. And when you've, as you say, you slowed down slightly you know, since retirement, is it something then you contemplate more when you get a bit older? No, I've still, uh, I've still got the same views. Um uh, I'm not, I'm not, a, uh, uh, I don't know how you, how we get words to, to explain that I, I, I haven't got any more religious or I haven't got any, uh, uh, my beliefs haven't changed in, in any way. Yeah, I still feel the same about it and uh, I feel I'm on the right side if the, that uh, I have a third party insurance out on life. <laughs> I'm not comprehensive insurance on it. I just, if it's there, I hope that I'm, I was good enough, I lived a good enough life to partake in what, what's left at the other side. If there's something there, I hope to, to be part of it. That's interesting. And so you're saying that, yeah, go and have your tea as well, um, that, you know, the ageing process for you is just a physical one you know, not a mental one, you know, as you say, you feel pretty identical with the thoughts, your your beliefs to, the, to when you were young. I don't go to bed at night now that I'm facing 90. I don't go to bed at night thinking, will I, will I live in the morning? I know my mother did. When she was in hospital on her deathbed, uh, I, I used to visit her every morning and uh, she'd say, I'd say, did you sleep last night, mum? And she'd say, no, I didn't sleep. And one morning I said, is it the way you'd be afraid you wouldn't wake up? She said, yeah. Her voice was very low at that stage. I, I, don't, um, I don't have the same view on life. I go to bed every night feeling that if I'm here in the morning, it's fine. And if I'm not, that's fine too. So, yeah, that's my view of life. That I'm still planning for the next 10 years. 
I probably won't be around and I don't mind. Yeah. So going back to, to the religion then, because I find that, you know, very, I find that fascinating because, you know, I wasn't brought up in a, in a religious environment. It seems to me that, you know, a lot of religion, a lot of faith is just that, isn't it? It's, it's just faith that there's something after. So I suppose my question would be, you know, do you, you really hope there's something after this or, or, you know, would you be happy enough knowing that you spent your time on this earth doing your, your good deeds and, you know, how, how much, how much of a, a, a thought process is it for you to, to, to hope that there's something after? Well, I would think even pre-pagan time, there was belief. Going back from when history was first recorded about the human on earth, I think they all believed in something. And it was about another world when, when people die. And I mean, there are, uh, there's plenty of evidence going back to prehistoric times about, about different forms of, of a, uh, a life ha- after this world. And I, I don't know. There are an awful lot of intelligent people with all the, 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 the religious uh, orders that believe strongly highly intelligent and intellectual people that uh, I I hope they're not all wrong. Or if they are, well, so they were all wrong. It's very unlikely that they were all wrong. I would believe that there is something there. I'm not sure any more than anybody else. Um, But there are are great uh, religious orders of people in all denominations that believe there is a, there is another world, and uh, I don't know where it is, but we'll find out. Do you think your life would have been very different had you not been brought into this sort of religious upbringing? No, I don't believe it would. I think I'd have lived the same life. I respect other people, and I'd expect to be respected myself. And I found that as I went through life, uh, I found it in all places I worked. That if I respected people, I got the same in return. I think you make your own life and don't expect people to give something unless you're prepared to give something back. And my wife, when we came to pension age, she gave most of her pension to charity. Of the charity, sometimes I felt that she was overdoing it and we could have done with a bit more. I never said to her that. And uh, she was the most charitable person. She never wanted anything for herself. She gave it to either the kids or or to... to, uh, to some charity, if I like. And uh, she, yeah, so most of her pension went on charity. And she was happy doing that. And I never objected to that. So You know me, you know my fear of, of not existing, but I do very much try to grasp here and now, you know, and I think doing things that make you feel good and doing good deeds is, is really central to, to living a good life. Um, getting to, 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 you know, to your, your age now, you know, what kind of advice would you have for someone you know, I'm now 47. You know, I know that you you told me before I shouldn't be worrying about this stuff. You know, what what kind of advice would you say of living a, a a good, happy life? Phil, I don't think that I could change your views in any way. I would want to. I think we're all entitled to our own life to live it the way we see. I'm quite sure that you're living a highly respectable life, and that you'll share in whatever is after in this uh, afterlife, because you believe that it's not there. You might be surprised that it is there. And if you are, isn't that a grand surprise? Because what you're doing on earth is compatible with a good life and compatible with a good death. Mm -hmm. So I don't see anything wrong with your way, my way, or anybody's way. 
we all have our own beliefs and non-beliefs, yeah. So that's my view on it. Was there anyone in your in your family history who wasn't particularly religious? We don't really know what people think. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't profess to know what anybody's belief is. They might tell you one thing and it might not be what they're, they're, they're thinking deep down. It's, I'm telling you what I think of life and that's my honest opinion of life and uh, I don't mind giving it, I don't mind being asked for it. It's varied, um, I'm not sure. That's, uh, I said that from the onset that uh, I hope that if there's something there that I'll be, I'll be, I'll share it. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that there is something there. I believe there is something, uh, where it is, I don't know, or how it's going to be presented to us if and when we die, we have to die anyway. We all die, so I don't know. Energy once created can never be destroyed. So where my energy go when I die, uh, that's something I'd like to know, but I'll have to wait and find out. Yeah. Uh, getting, obviously, back to um, to existence itself, you know, a lot of people come and go, and presumably throughout your life, you know, you, you mentioned, obviously, your, your lovely you know, wife passing away. Does, does it get it any easier as you get older to accept that other people die? As you get older, I remember uh, Gay Bourne, who was a presenter here on RT Radio, and... Uh, he had a great program, The Late Late Show, and he interviewed Maureen O'Hara one night. She was in her 90s. He said, how do you feel now at this age of your life? And she said, there's nothing nice about getting old. Now, I, I can't say the same thing. I'm old. I'm happy. I'm delighted with my life, and uh, I'm still enjoying it. I'm not looking back and saying, oh, I missed this or I missed I didn't. The years I gave going to school, I didn't like them because I had a bad schoolmaster and his wife was equally bad and uh, they weren't proper teachers. When I went to Rockwell to a secondary school, boarding school, the people there were marvellous. And only for them today, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't be able to read the paper. <laughs> Whereas I held down good jobs in England and uh, yeah, I, a lot of it was self-taught. I think I made my mark there, and I love to go back and see the work I did there. I'm proud of it. And some of the jobs I done here, which uh, weren't as big in any way, but I still like to think I did a lot of good here. But my best days were given to London. They were good to me, and I believe I left them, whatever I had, and I learned a lot, and I gave it back to them. That's about what I can say about life. Well, a question that I do ask all the people I speak to, so it's not a, a, well, it is a personal question, but, you know, if you had to choose, choose a way to go, what would be your preferred method? To wake up some morning dead. <coughs> <coughs> so, so basically in, in your sleep. Yeah, yeah. I'm quite happy if there's something there and they call me. I have to go anywhere whether they call me or not. And I, I've never thought about committing suicide or getting, uh, expedite the, the journey. I, I'll, I'll settle for what it's worth, and that's it. <laughs>